Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor. And first and foremost, just my levels a little bit there. First and foremost, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. We are releasing this on Turkey Day, Tea Day. Um, Tea Day. Today is actually Wednesday for us, so we're about to head out of town for for a little Thanksgiving, but I wanted to go ahead and get that out there. Uh, as we head into the holiday season, exciting time. Um, also, we'll talk about the, some Black Friday deals that we're going to have going on at the end of this show, so be sure to stay around for that. But to kick off the show, we had something big happen this week, which is disc golf. Why did you say it like that? It looked like it had disc some Z's golf. in it. Disc golf. Disc golf. Disc golf is finally on ESPN. ESPN on a Tuesday at 8 p.m. Yeah, like a good, a good time. A good time. Yeah. ESPN 2. Um, so... If you want to be super technical about so, it. So, it's second place. That's a main network. Though. Yeah, that's a very main network. It was big time. Um, in my opinion, we in my opinion, we saw a little bit uh, bigger reaction. Yeah, I think the exposure is better. More people have access to ESPN2 and than CBS Sports Network. And also, more people are likely to just, like, click on it while scrolling. Yeah. It's more like, it's right there below ESPN. Yeah, it's right there. Like, it's a, a channel that more people are going to just kind of stumble upon. Yeah. Um, versus awesome. CBS Sports, I feel like it, it's a lot harder to access. It was right. it was a great thing. You know, it was a main network that Disc Golf got on. It was six. So I don't want to, like, you know, put that down in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But being on ESPN2 was a bigger deal. And we saw that a little bit in reactions from Twitter and stuff, as I'll get into in a second. But just right out the gates... What were your thoughts on the broadcast itself? Yeah, so the broadcast, um, obviously Jomez, some people were confused on this. Jomez was the ones behind the production. Yes. Um, as far as now, as far as the way things are cut, I'm sure ESPN had a say in that. But, and another thing to mention, even though Jomez was the ones creating the graphics, those graphics p- packages they're using are espn graphics for a lot of them like the scoreboards you're seeing a lot of those are espn standard graphics they use for a lot of yeah. things same with, is the same way for cbs you know they throw their colors and their logos and a lot of their foreign i did can, not see i didn't see much of the espn logo last night no was a, a lot less than the cbs sports right logo, yes which that wasn't a big thing either way i just yeah that was something i noticed it's true um i thought obviously because it's jomez it was filmed wonderfully um and you know everything in that aspect was good which is which is good because we need to like people that are tuning in and seeing it for the first time they need to be able to see the sport film the best way possible yeah. um i like that they went back and forth between the men and the women mm-hmm. thought that was perfect um big biggest complaint was that it was pretty jumpy but i think it's because they went very heavy on player profiles more than cbs did not only did every player have an intro off the tee, um, but did, like, did every player have a player profile or close to it? At least close to yeah, it. Yeah, a I, lot of them did. The majority. I, everyone in, in like actual contention did. Yeah, which the player profiles were hit or miss for me. Some of them seemed very surface level and kind of just like they threw it in there. They weren't produced poorly, but just like the content was eh. Some of them I thought were decent. I thought some of them I actually learned some things. Um, it was good to see you know, you can kind of start seeing like which of these, which players are, have good composure on camera and like are like marketable. I think as, as like uh disc golf ends up on more big networks, it's going to be very easy to figure out 
if you're manufacturers or other people getting into the sport, like which players are the ones that can really market, yeah, uh, market themselves and just be like personalities on the camera. Um, but overall, I would say the coverage. People are gonna get tied up in like, oh, it was jumping. It was a little tough to follow. But the bottom line is, it was filmed well. Um, it's still like top notch produced disc golf, and the exposure, like the people that are just tuning in and just stumbling upon disc golf, which is really what this is all about. This is not really about like these broadcasts are they're big for the disc golf community. Like we'd love to be able to watch disc golf on the network someday, or CBS or whatever. But yeah. we know where Domez and the disc golf network are. Yeah, we know where to find it. We know there. where to find it the non disc golfers is what this is really about is like how many of them can we draw into the sport? Yeah. And for them, they're just going to tune in. They're going to see, Hey, you know, this is the ESPN quality, uh, broadcast sort of graphics I'm used to. Like that looks professional. The filming is excellent because Joe Mez is great at what they do. Um, and you know, I can see these players who I've never heard of them and I get to learn a little bit about them and I get to see them play these shots. They don't necessarily care as much about, oh, I missed a hole here, missed a hole there. They might not even care about the winner. They're just like learning probably as it's going on. Yeah, I think part of uh, part of what some people were like talking about online with like the jumping around is right. because of how we're used to consuming disc golf content. Exactly. If you're when you're used to consuming golf content, I feel like you're already used to not seeing every single shot the leader's taking. It depends. If they're on the final day, you're gonna see every shot that 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 um that lead group. But you're going to be jumping around a lot. You will. The big thing is in ball golf too. Um, there's more time between shots because there's yeah. a longer walk. And yeah, in disc you're golf, we're it just three times as far. We're just not used to yet, right? Jumping around that much. So yeah. I think that's where the disc the disc golf community. I saw some people saying that like, why are we jumping around too much? It's hard to follow. It's this or that. Yeah. I feel like if you're looking at it from a non disc golfer's point of view, it really wasn't that hard to follow. Right. It it was, you know, you got to see the scores, you got to, mm-hmm. you know, it really wasn't like, uh, you, you wouldn't have noticed it. Um, I also, I, I saw some people complaining about some audio, like yeah. the, the audio in the commentary booth and the audio levels. Personally, there's something going on with my <laughs> mic. I don't know what it keeps popping. Um, probably because I don't have the pop filter. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker there, Hunter. <laughs> Great idea. Um, personally, I, I didn't notice it on my TV. I didn't think the levels were bad. I did notice, I thought, and I was listening to it just like AirPods headphones on a laptop. So like, take that for whatever it is. But I thought the commentary audio, I think it was either, it was either Germinate, one of the two, and it wasn't their fault probably. One of them sounded a little bit rough. Um, A little grainy, maybe a little echoey. Now, was it like game changing and like, am I... The thing is, as disc golfers, we are looking at this coverage with like a magnifying glass because we want it to be the best product it can be for the rest of the world. So we are like listening super close and looking super close. We are very particular about it. When everybody else, everyone's just watching. Everybody else is just flipping through their TV, like, oh, there's disc golf. Let's watch that for a few minutes. They're like, oh my goodness, that audio is slightly off or something. So you got to remember that too. We are just being very nitpicky because we are trying to give them the best product. And that's what I was going to say. I saw a lot of people like talking about it in our discord was the main spot. Main part to see the audio was in our discord. Yeah. And on just like my TV and probably the way 98% of people are watching this, like people who stumbled upon it, Mm -hmm. which was TV in a living room across the room from it. It sounded great. It looked great. I was trying to listen because I saw someone say like, made some comment about the commentary and I was like, what are they talking about? So I like tried to pay attention to it. I still, it still sounded fine to me. And then the levels thing, I tried to pay attention to it. It still sounded fine to me. So 
if I was watching it the way I feel like the majority of people were, which is just like a TV in your living room, and I, as a disc golfer and as someone trying to like find what these people are talking about so I can talk about it on this podcast here, and I couldn't find it, your day-to-day viewer of just mm-hmm. like flipping through, none of that affected Exactly. Them. None of it at all. Exactly. Um, the only thing that I personally, the only thing that I personally noticed was um, the graphics being, just being that uh it was the like putting for birdie type graphic right um right those graphics just didn't look to the same standard as the other graphics in it but i think it was because those are more like their golf type graphics like it wasn't and that was again like well something interesting is that espn does not broadcast much golf these days yeah they used to have a bit more i think they used to get like the like opening rounds of certain majors like they'd have like the first two rounds before it would go to cbs but like cbs is like the big dog in golf so you could expect them to have like the Different best graphics, graphics right espn you know i don't even who even knows the last time they've updated their golf graphics package so like i thought they were they were good enough they didn't look quite as nice as the cbs ones yeah but well, i think the biggest minute. thing to me was like it just didn't look like it matched up with the pro tour like the the graphics that were happening before like transition but i think again that's just because i'm i'm looking at it from a disc golf perspective of like i'm used to the graphics being at the bottom and Mm -hmm. all this stuff so when it popped up it caught my attention it had all the information right it it was nothing like that it just like it just didn't look as what i expected it to i will say it was very surreal watching disc golf and having espn ticker yeah that was kind of cool like i'm like this is crazy like i've been now about the ticker uh, one thing I did see that was brought up was the commentary of Nate and Germ talked about the $20,000 for the winner over and over and over. Because yeah. as a disc golfer, that's huge. Yeah, you can't, I saw this conversation. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't, as a disc golfer and a disc golf fan, you can't downplay that. That's right. massive and everyone's excited about it. So like, I get why they were talking about it right. so much, but it did kind of, if you're a non-disc golf viewer, it it, it might have like lowered the legitimacy of the sport a little bit i'd like which them. is sad because this is like the biggest purse we've ever had right but when you see like lebron james or i forget who, who it was at one point there was like a 150 million dollar contract coming across the bottom at the same time that they're saying yeah. they're playing for twenty thousand dollars and yeah. it, that was where it was like if you're like an, a viewer just watching or you know Any some of them other... probably watched and were like oh wow these guys are gonna throw frisbees and get twenty thousand yeah. dollars and other people are probably like yeah i thought the sport was a joke they're playing for 20 grand yeah I will say they should have, they could have said, they should have just kept mentioning 130,000. Yeah, the overall purse. And they probably should have talked about it as a bonus instead of winnings. Yeah. I think that also makes it seem like, oh, it's just like a bonus on their season. Because these guys, I mean, let's be honest, these top players are making a lot more than 20 grand in a year. Like, yeah. it's a lot of money for one purse, but like a whole you know, lot. the sport, it's a little bit of a misrepresentation of where the sport is. Yeah. Purses are kind of behind what manufacturers can pay still. So, that still hasn't really caught up to where purses are an accurate representation to where like a top player in the world takes in 20 G like it's a lot of money, but it's not like crazy life changing. Yeah. You know, but we, I mean, we see purses closer to a hundred thousand then, then it's more like that. But I think that's the thing is like, uh, that's why when I'm brought up, like I don't want to downplay how big of a moment this was for disc golf because yeah. in the disc golf world, 20,000 is unheard of, especially 20,000 for FPO. Right. Like, are you kidding me? The previous highest was like five grand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, this is a big storyline for disc golf. So I think that's why it was emphasized so much. 
But then when you look at it from an outside sports world perspective, right, that just kind of puts us in our spot. Right. That that broadcast needs to be more tailor made for the outside audience. Yeah, but but I I don't think that again. I think this is all just looking at it with a super critical eye to yeah. where still a success. The average viewer didn't care about any of that. And speaking of average viewer, Ulti World was a went through and compiled um, the Twitter reactions. You thought I was going to say the ratings. Yeah, I was like, no, no. way. We tried finding the ratings um, on like Nielsen and wherever, and we couldn't find it. So They'll be um, there eventually, I think. The only ones I could find were from like November 9th. So I feel like in a few weeks from now, they'll come out. Hopefully. As soon as it comes out, I know Ulti World and other people will be writing articles, and we'll talk about it. Right. It does seem as though this one will be releasing ratings, whereas the ESPN or ESPN, the CBS Sports one, obviously never released their ratings. Correct. So I think it will be exciting to see that, but... I can already tell you that the ESPN2 one definitely got more viewership because oh, yeah. of Twitter. If yeah. you went on Twitter last night and you just searched disc golf, a lot, if not even the majority of conversations majority, that were happening yeah. were from non-disc golfers mm-hmm. about like stumbling onto disc golf. Yeah, it was awesome. To, to the point that I was like, we might actually get on trending. Like this, mm-hmm. is, so I was constantly checking the trending list. It never happened. But uh, Ulti World compiled... Um, a bunch of a bunch of tweets reaction reacting to disc golf being on ESPN two. So I'm gonna read off some of them. Um, one of them, this first one's from Bubba Watson, which is probably the most notable player or person I feel like to this pop filler thing. It's killing me, man. It's it's over there. I almost want to just go grab it. Um, this is probably the most notable person to point it out. Uh, he he said watching at disc golf pro tour. So he tagged him in it. Big thing first. Watching the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship on ESPN2, these guys and girls are good. Too many trees and water for me. I think I'll stick to quote-unquote ball golf, as they like to call it. So that was Bubba Watson. He put it down on Twitter, and he also made a specific post about it on Instagram. Yeah. Which, good. personally, I think the Instagram's a little bigger because yeah. that's like takes up space on your feed, whereas Twitter, I mean, it takes up space on your feed, but people tweet about a lot more random stuff than you put on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, which, before we get into much of the rest... I want to know a little rabbit trail on here. What do you think of, because he pointed it out in this, but what do you think of people in disc golf referring to golf as ball golf? Uh, this has nothing to do with the broadcast, but I, since he brought it up in the in that tweet, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, take. I don't mind it. I do it just because, I mean, if I'm like talking to somebody who, it's, it's one of those things you almost have to like switch back and forth because like if I'm talking to somebody that has that is like in, more inclined in their brain towards golf being ball golf. Then like, of course I'm just going to say golf. Like I grew up watching golf, you know, yeah. playing golf. So, um, the bottom line is the game of golf was originally ball golf. Like yeah. it's, it's not like, uh, I mean, we stole the name. It's not like there's always been two. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think within the disc golf community, it makes sense. Like I call it ball golf because like, not because I'm some elitist that thinks, well, you need to call it ball golf because you can't just call it golf because golf needs to be more inclusive. Well, no, golf was invented with a ball and a club. Like, that is the game. But it makes it easier to understand which one I'm talking about when I switch in between, especially on a podcast like this. If we want to talk about things from, you know, the PGA Tour and things like that, we will refer to it as ball golf so that you're not listening. Like, wait, was he talking about disc golf or ball golf there? Yeah. So I think it's I think it's useful, but... Like not necessary if you're talking well, to somebody who doesn't know. My thing called. is I refer to ball golf as mm-hmm. golf simply because I never refer to disc golf as golf. Right. Like you're never gonna hear right. me in a conversation <laughs> with anyone be like, 
Oh, I went and played around of golf earlier today. And I'm talking hear, about disc golf. I almost hear people say more like they're going to go play disc than, yeah. than just say golf. Like, I'd never hear that. That's what I'm saying. So, to me, A, I don't think it's a big thing either way. No. I don't think it matters. No. Ball golf, disc golf, whatever. Uh, or ball golf versus golf. I don't think it's a big enough thing that we need to be like, oh, my word, pitchforks, everyone who says ball golf's wrong. But I don't think, like, on the podcast, I see what you're saying because it could get confusing. Yeah. Because there are people that call, like, if they're going to go play around golf, they're talking about disc golf. Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of those people. Yeah, I never same. call it golf. So, to me, I never refer, and I try not to, or, like, if I do, it's just whoever I'm with, but I never really refer to ball golf as ball golf. I just call it golf. Because, like, if I'm saying golf, that's what I'm referring to. Right. Um, but I did see some people, like, responding to Bubba Watson's tweet about that. I even saw something in the disc golf debate group mm-hmm. um, talking about that. And so I thought that it was worth at least bringing up because he did say, I will stick to quote unquote ball golf as they like to call it, which I thought was like a, I don't know. I, thought, I just thought it was interesting in his tweet. I don't think it was a jab. No, I don't honest. think it was a jab yeah. at all. I just thought it was interesting that for like, it, I'll stick to quote unquote ball golf as they like to yeah, call it. Like, it was interesting I, that he knew a, it enough to put it in there. What a fascinating like podcast guest. Bubba Watson. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's an electric personality too. He would be, he'd be cool. Uh, Cause he, he plays disc golf. I don't yeah. know if a lot of people know that. Um, he even responded, I think, was it the Pro Tour? I think the Pro Tour like told him they'll pay his entry fee if he came out and played an event or something like that on Twitter. Yeah. And he responded. I'd hope they would. I'd hope they'd pay <laughs> more than his entry fee. I hope they'd pay a lot of money. Um, Brody actually responded to that and said we should have a Pro-Am golf disc golf challenge um, like at a Pro Tour event as like a you know display type thing. Um, but he responded back to the Pro Tour and said, you know, I think I'll stick to the disc golf course I designed at this baseball stadium because it's wide open, no trees, and plus I get as many mulligans as I want since I was the designer. Is like how I responded. Mm-hmm. Um, basically just kind of joking with them. But, you know, people do forget that Bubba Watson, you know, at least plays disc golf occasionally. Um, Don't forget that. Yeah, never forget it. <laughs> uh, another tweet here. I should be grading, but instead I'm watching disc golf on ESPN. This is nuts. Do they not understand physics? How are they doing this in the woods? That was from Orla Hart. The commentary is great. Never played the game, but now intrigued. These guys know how to t- talk it up for beginners. Um, that guy has a complicated username. I dare say disc golf on ESPN looks harder than regular golf from Joyce Dennington. Having watched disc golf on ESPN, I understand what those ball golf folks are always carrying on about. The shot making, the precision, the drama. Mario Arias Jr. So, as you can tell from those tweets, and that's just ones that Ultra World pulled, pulled out. You know, we saw several more than that. Those are probably some of the more interesting ones. But, as you can tell from those tweets, there really was a much larger reach with this broadcast. Yeah. Because when CBS Sports, I don't remember seeing anyone no. on Twitter that wasn't a disc golfer talking about it exactly. being on being on tv mm-hmm. whereas this you know there was a lot of people some people making fun of disc golf sure we expected Fair that enough. um you know some people comparing us to cornhole expected that hurts um <laughs> but there was a lot of people that were just generally talking yeah. about disc golf for the first time like just as like discovering the sport some people even saying wow like i'm this actually looks like a ton of fun i'm gonna buy some discs yeah like i literally I saw really... that tweet I really liked uh, kind of what you're talking about with the cornhole comparison. I really liked in the intro, you know, they do their best to like uh, explain like what disc golf is. And I thought the intro was really cool. I was getting goosebumps. Um, but I liked how like Paige had some line about, you know, like everybody likes to play Frisbee on the beach. Yeah. But, you know, like trying to say like we, you know, we treat this more as a sport and so on. And, and like I thought that was a cool line. Um, 
but yeah, I just thought that that was interesting. Cause that is one thing that's difficult is like separating the Frisbee is like more widely known as a recreational toss around object. Yeah. So it's just difficult. Well, I think that was also the, in the intro, I think it was in the intro or like maybe in the like commentary intro at some point they talked about disc golf being played with, um, specially designed discs right which yeah. i think further helped specialized they throw the pros throw specialized discs or yeah, something like that. yeah which helped farther separate it from just the frisbee yeah. market but i did i did think that the commentary from like a disc golfer's point of view wasn't like irritating but it was like very like okay we get it they're throwing a fairway we get mm-hmm. it but from a non-disc golfer's point of view which is what the commentary was geared towards very, very it was very educational and helpful because it, it showed you you know, A, there's putters, mid-ranges, drivers, right. etc. B, look how far they're throwing these things. And there's several holes where they would talk about the fact that Paige Pierce is throwing her putter, whereas Haley King is throwing a fairway driver, and so on and so forth. And they would talk about the flight of it, and they broke it down to where, like, someone in, in that said, like, if you were watching it for the first time, you, like, really felt engaged in it, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was crucial they did the same in C- the cbs sports one but i think it was more noticed here because there was more non-disc golfers watching yes um I-, I think you know in general we've talked we've touched on pretty much all the points um that i wanted to touch on with the broadcast but i think in general last night was a great success for the sport of disc Absolutely. golf i think the only thing that's left to see is was it enough of a success for espn2 that they bring it back yeah i'm very curious to know what next season holds for well Hopefully just having a full schedule to, for starters. True. And then, you know, if we can, you know, what is what do networks want if they want anything? I get a, I get the feeling that as these networks learn more, um, if they are still interested, like the very clear cut choice is to jump on the back of USDGC. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel if, like that'd be the easiest. If you, to yeah, too. if you do your research as like an ESPN guy, who's there's somebody threw it on their desk, say, "Hey, looking at this disc golf, what should we be filming?" I mean, it's very clear that they're gonna want to film the USDGC. USDGC and Worlds. Yeah, those are gonna be the two. Like, they'll look at statistics on YouTube and see right. that those. Are well, the, like, Worlds the, has the, the catchiest watched. title, but as far as how events are run, I, USDGC and the and the Pro Tour finale are probably the two most marketable. Yeah, I, I think I still think we're. Excuse me. I still think we're a good ways away from live disc golf being on the network. Right. I think that we, we've we kind of explored this option and it works of post-producing it. The only thing that's not ideal with that is that as more people get into the sport, more people are going to be watching it mm-hmm. live. And so, therefore, more people are going to be watching on the disc golf network, on Jomez, on Central Coast, on Gatekeeper, whoever it may be. Yeah. So by the time it gets to ESPN or CBS Sports or whoever picks it up, um, then you're, you're going to have already seen it. Um, so I think that's the only downside to the way we're doing it. But I could see them trying that a few more times before they decide to sure. try to because I can't I don't even want to think through the logistics of, you know, getting the live broadcasting ESPN crew out there. Yeah, it would just yeah, it would take ESPN's crew. Yeah, it's going to take, uh, it would take them, they'd have to, disc golf would have to be big enough that it'd be worth the type of investment they'd have to make of probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, I feel like, to get them out there. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see next year, kind of how this all develops. I think the next step would would be for it to be something that like slowly got talked about on SportsCenter more. Yeah. Of like, 
you know highlights and, and so even on. not even just highlights but just like checking in with the pro tour standings or whatever you know what i mean i don't think it'll be covered drastically but like yeah. if it's like a once a week like let's check out what's going on in the disc golf pro tour that would be huge obviously for a number of reasons but I, th- I feel like that might be a more realistic next step that disc golf will take before full-on coverage comes yeah it's tough to know where disc golf falls because there are a lot of bigger sports than disc golf that get less less attention than that like skateboarding yeah. a lot of like a lot of your i don't know what the category is like x games type sports for example snowboarding skiing skateboarding whatever that like those are examples of sports that are way bigger than disc golf um in the grand scheme of things but don't get a lot of attention on espn except mm-hmm. for during like the olympics and the x games and whatever it might be um it's t- it's tough to figure out and even like you know a lot of like uh like major league soccer there's a good example like major league soccer is just starting to climb into the atten- like the main attention span of espn yeah so like it's tough to it's it's an uphill battle to get to like where you earn a spot over the NBA and you know, the NFL are like the two top dogs. Cause even hockey gets shoved to the side a lot. And these are leagues that have been on forever. Yeah, and I think are the, huge. it's, it's tough. One thing will never ever overtake any of the major league sports. Sure. No soccer, hockey, baseball, basketball, football, like those, even tennis, even regular golf. I feel like disc golf will never eclipse the popularity and coverage, at least mm-hmm. not in our lifetime. Um, but I could see it eclipsing like a skateboarding or a snowboarding coverage wise simply because I think it's more interesting to watch because you in skateboarding, you need to know the technical details to see how sick a trick is Very because there's like realistically to people watching once you get to like a tray flip, which is just like a 360 kick flip and you get past that. If you're not watching like a technical aspect, it all kind of is like, oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? There's like a one yeah. reaction. Thank of you for like, using skateboarding lingo to, uh, to help them understand that somebody here knows a little bit about skateboarding. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. It, once you reach like a one trick, like there's this, there's a threshold, I feel right. like, to the It's kind of like person, diving. Like, That's kind of like diving, too, I yeah. think. Whereas disc golf, there's like this amazement of watching a disc fly through the trees yeah. and soar back and forth. It there's, is, there's even a lot more action to watching disc golf than traditional golf. Right. It is way easier to film than like even traditional golf so like that that it does have yeah. that going i just feel it. like the general like just flipping through the channels people be would be as it got bigger more likely to stop and stay watching disc golf than stop and stay watching and bowling. snowboarding <laughs> yeah, bowling skateboarding bowling whatever can be electrifying be. sometimes though. don't get me wrong uh, who do you think you, who are? You think I you are? I am. Yeah, <laughs> Pete Weber was pretty fun to watch. But you know what i mean where there's like some of those sports action sports yeah. have a certain threshold that the pros are always above and you're just going to keep getting the same reaction. So after you watch two or three go through, if you don't know it from a technical perspective, it's like, cool. Mm-hmm. Whereas disc golf, there's always different shapes, different yeah. kicks. There's a lot more going on that That's a good point. your average person can um, watch and be like right. impressed with. So with that being said, I think it's time to jump over into Trevor's trivia. Let's okay. see what you got for me this week. So we've got a new game. This is a little bit of a spin off of the Price is Right game that we did. Nice. Um, I like that game a lot. Yeah. So instead of doing prices, this is we're going to call this one the, the flight number game. We're going to keep it simple. Ooh. Um, so I've got 10 Discraft molds. 
Okay, and, at least you stuck in Discraft. Right. That gives me an advantage. Exactly. Um, your goal, you're going to guess the flight numbers, all four of them, for each one of these molds. And your get, your goal is to stay within 15 total points off of 10 molds. So like 15, like each number is a point? Each number, you're off of one. So like if it's a six one. speed and I go seven speed, that's a one that's point? That's a point. This is going to be very difficult. I'm banking on the fact that you'll probably be able to guess some of these right on the dot. So that there's others. There'll be. I don't think you're going to get any wrong by more well, than see, three. Well, see, the thing that... Are you including like 0.5s in this? Like negative 1.5? No, there's no 0.5s okay. on any of these. Good. Maybe it's just MVP that does that. There's some company or trilogy well, definitely. Well, Discraft does. does it in there. There's some like, oh, like final the stability number. rating. That's right. right. Like point five. There's a lot of there's several companies that like do that, yeah. and that always throws me off. So with that being said, Glide's gonna be the hardest. I feel like. Yeah, Glide's gonna be tricky, but the thing about Glide is it's, it's either of, four or five or. Well, if it's a putter, it can be three. Yeah, but I mean, like it's not. A, it's not like you have negative one right. to positive right. whatever. All right, so we're gonna start off with some putters. We're gonna start with the Challenger. Three four zero two. Three four zero two. It is actually two three zero two. That's a two speed. Yeah. Two three zero two. So okay. You're two points off there. Two points already. Good start, Hunter. Way to go. Next we have the Luna. <laughs> I feel like it's the same as the Challenger. Two three zero two. Is it three? It's three something, isn't it? No, it's not a three speed. It's the same speed as the Challenger, surely. Two, four, zero, two. Three, three, oh, three. Oh. So what, you're three What's points the logic off? there? I know. The, the It makes sense as a three speed. It's way faster than a Challenger. It goes way further. I feel like I don't, the speed I don't should be a based problem. on rim width, right? It is and it isn't. We, this, this, there's a problem with flight numbers that might be exposed during this guessing problem. <laughs> I was going to say, but Challenger I don't the mind Luna. the four glide, but four glide doesn't really exist on putters. And also, yeah, the three fade surprised me. Yeah, because that shouldn't be right. So what, you're three points off there because you went two? Th- yeah, so I'm five off total. Okay. Not great a great start. start. Next, we have the drone. I it feel gets like this harder. One... I thought you were going to nail the first couple. <laughs> I feel like drone is. Let me just okay. Five speed. Yes. It has it has to have low glide. It's got to. So I'm gonna go five three. Yes. Correct. Zero three. It's one four. Negative one or positive one. Positive one. Who puts positive numbers in their flight numbers? <laughs> That's an old one. So you're Come two on. points off there. You're doing well. I mean, you almost you had the difference of three between the turn and fade there, so you were close. Uh, so next up we have the soul. I should know this. You it's should know this because it's in your bag. Four. It's yeah. definitely a four speed. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last two are negative three one. Is that right? I just need the glide. It's negative three zero. So you're off one there. Uh, so four five negative three zero. That's correct. So you're off one there. Well done. You're up to eight. Dang, already. dude. <laughs> you're about halfway there. You're about four in here. Yikes. So next we have the zombie. Zombie's a six speed. Yes. Six five. Negative one two. It's six four, negative one one. Oh. So you're off to there. This is tough. I, know. I never look at flight numbers and it is very <laughs> evident right now. I just pick up a disc and go, I This one you should stable. know because we've just sorted through and put them up. Uh it's the impact. 
you just like, I know it's a six speed. Yeah. I know he's a negative three and a one. There you go. So now you just need to glide. Yeah, that's the part I don't know. Think about it though. It should have a lot of glide. It'd be like six six negative there three you one. Go. You got is it, it really? Yeah. Oh, well, six was kind of a joke. There you got it. Yeah, no, it's got six glide. It's that you don't see six glide barely no. ever. So there you go. All right, next we have the Stratus. It's also a six speed. Wrong. It's a seven speed. Wrong. It's a five speed. Yeah, it's That's a five baloney. speed that they can't absolutely they call baloney. it like an extra long driver. You cannot tell me that's a five speed. If that's a five, look look at how sharp the Stratus Edge is. It's literally what's a, is the Sting on that list? Sting is a six speed. They're literally like the same mold. Mm. Put them next to each other. Put them. Someone in the comments put the Sting this next is, to a Stratus. You gotta, it's old though. It, it's old. Discraft so, didn't used to have flight numbers. Discraft used to have one singular flight number. Flight numbers are relatively new. To Discraft. It's true. So it's not old. All right. Well, anyways, it's five, five, negative three, one. It's five, four, negative four, one. What's the stupid? So you're off three. I hate there. this game. <laughs> two, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You're at, wait, two, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're at 13. So you have three discs left and you only have two points to give up. All right. Hopefully somebody listening is like actually. I was thinking about giving you twenty, but I gave you twenty 15. discs. Oh, 20. fifteen. I was like, holy cow, Trevor. <laughs> Next we have the Undertaker. Here's one you should get right on the dot. You no, know I don't know that. <laughs> this I feel one. like it's a nine speed. Yeah. Five glide. Yeah. Come on. Negative one. Yes. Two. There you go. Oh. You got it. So you've got two right on the dot. That one. That one made a lot of sense. All right. Hey, you've got. Two points to give up with two discs to go. This is actually going to be perfect now. <laughs> Here we go. The, this is going to be tough. These next two are both going to be tough. The Crank SS. 12, 5, negative 3, 2. He nails it. Let's go. How? <laughs> I used to have that disc a lot, and I was so perplexed by the flight numbers. Wow. I, I, I flew through it, and I was like. The way you. It's like you just went, went into the zone. He's like, 12, well, 5, I just like, 3, I was 2. thinking of I used to have a first run Crank <laughs> SS, and it had flight numbers well, on here it. Here you I go. Think. Here you go. You got two points to give two up. Points. The Punisher is your final disc. 12502. 12503. But I did it. He did it. I did it, folks. Wow. That was an impressive comeback. Wow. What struggling. a comeback story. Well done. I knew the drivers were going to be easier for me than the putters. I thought I was going to, like, I thought I was like, crank SS. Like, who knows what that does? <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. That's impressive. I, one of my, like, the, one of the first throws over 400, the crank SS was for me. Just, just because I throw form. cranks, <laughs> just because I throw cranks now, I can't imagine how flippy a crank SS is. It was a great roller disc, and I threw it in a tailwind a lot. You'd probably play a D six. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. I mean, next. <laughs> is that like a helicopter? Or is that? I think it's a helicopter. All right. So, <laughs> people in the mic probably can't even hear it. Um, we're gonna jump over into a little talk about the collector's market. Yeah. We talked about this last week a little bit. What brought it up? Who knows? Like, ugh. Who, who knows what brought it up? <laughs> um, I don't remember what brought it up last week, but this week what brought it up is the 991 ESP Fierces. And there was a, there was a post on Facebook that kind of brought it to our attention th- mm-hmm. via Discord where someone posted that they bought two of them, of the Fierces, did not request them to be signed. And they both came signed and they said, as a true collector, I'm very upset about this. So then it right. raised the question, it brought it back. Why does signatures 
lower the value of a disk. Um, and so this that post that I was just referencing actually ended up being deleted. So I couldn't go back and read through the comments for like the arguments. But when I searched back in the disc golf debate group and some other groups, I found posts from like September, October range that were talking about this very thing. And so I went through their comments to get the logic behind it. But first off, I want to know, um, what is your take on the fact that even like in this case, a Paige Pierce Mm -hmm. disc with Paige Pierce's signature is worth less than a Paige Pierce disc without Paige's signature? This, so this, this is an anomaly and okay, but let me, I'm pretty sure this is an anomaly because I'm almost positive. Matter of fact, I am positive that like a, um, game, a Jersey, Mm -hmm. if it's signed by that person, way more valuable, way more valuable. Um, like a, a, a baseball sign it worth way more signatures carry value in other sports is the bottom line. Which the baseball example is like that baseball's worth nothing. A major league baseball, whatever. It's signed by a player, it's now worth something. So it's the signature that carries the value. Um why in disc golf do signatures not carry value? I think it's because it's for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a little bit easier to obtain signatures in disc golf. There's I think signings are pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's a thing. Um disc golfers aren't quite big enough yet. Like there are there are people like Paul Macbeth, like and the top pros of the world. Uh, if you see Ken Climate walking around, like they they'll starstruck disc golfers, you know. Um, but they're not quite larger than life. They won't starstruck people who don't watch disc right. Golf, they're like not a LeBron James. They're not quite larger than life yet, uh, in the sense that maybe that has something to do with it. But the thing is, collectors are looking at it like. Um, just ink on the disc. They want the disc in the most pristine condition, but really the collectors are misvaluing things and it's, and the collectors are the ones who are, they're buying these things and deciding the market. So it's up to them really. Um, and I don't like if page Pierce signs that disc, like it's like page Pierce, the person whose name is on that disc. And it was her accomplishment that even made yeah. that disc happen. She interacted with it herself and put her signature on it. It's got a personalized touch from the actual athlete on it. How on earth does that devalue the disc? That should for sure. I can understand for for one thing. Yeah, ink in in a situation where somebody just wrote their phone number on a disc, of course it devalues it. Yeah. Um, or maybe somebody who's not that good signs a disc, like a pro that's lesser known. Maybe yeah, that, that sure that devalues it. But when somebody not only who is a, the best, she's the best female player in the world to ever exist. To ever exist. I think we can. Yeah. That I and, think that's no argument. Yeah. And. It's her disc. How 20 years down the road, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, you've got Paige Pierce's signature on her disc. She was the greatest player of all time. I think that what you just said there is the key. So when they I was looking at so this, they're not, you're thinking they're not looking down for the long road. Exactly. Yeah. So when I was looking at this, I was just as perplexed as you. I'm like, this makes no sense because like if I had a LeBron James signed jersey, it's worth 50 times a non-LeBron James signed jersey. Yeah. What, whatever it may be. I think the keys here are a accessibility so right now what's rare is the disc not the signature yeah a lebron james jersey is not point. rare that's a good the lebron point. james signature is rare that's a good point the 991 fierce is rare a page pierce signature is not so that's the accessibility yes. of players a b that they're still alive so like basically this was something that was described online they're like in disc golf with how accessible signatures are signatures won't start going up in value in the collector's market until they're no longer accessible so they're not signing yeah. so therefore like ken climo 
whenever he passes on, you know, hopefully no time soon. Yeah. Whenever that happens, any Ken Climo signature will all of a sudden go up in value now. Right. Because right. out of nowhere, 20, 30, 40, whatever years from now it is, when his signature can no longer be gotten, then if you buy a signature, it, that becomes rare now. The mm-hmm. signature is now rare. Whereas right now, if you're in Clearwater, Florida, wherever he lives, you might be able to go to the disc golf course and run to Climo. Or if you are trying to get Paul's signature or Ricky's signature or whoever's signature, you can just go to a Pro Tour event and you're going to find them. Yeah. And you're going to get their signature. Yeah. That's a good point. So I think that's one of the key things. Um, actually, that is the key thing. But I think that what it brings up, too, is something that is going to be a hard transition for the disc golf community. As disc golf gets more mainstream, the accessibility to players is obviously going to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, that th- those go hand in hand. Right. You know, and so I think that is something that is also not being taken into account is that like some of these players like who are currently playing are going to be playing for the next 10 years or whatever. Their signature is only going to get more rare. Yeah. So if you can get your hands on a page Pierce signed disc right now, you know, 10 years from now when she's retiring, that's going to be worth more. A, because she's retiring. B, because they're going to be less accessible 10 years from now. Even three years from now, players are going to be less accept- less accessible than they are right now. Because yeah. as the sport grows, obviously security is going to grow. Player-only areas are going to get more strict. You're not going to be able to just walk up to players while they're warming up putting. Right. All that stuff's mm-hmm. going to go out the window. And the more spectators that there becomes in the sport, the more the crowd l- control. Yeah, exactly. The less of a chance there is. And I think that's going to be something that is very hard for disc golfers to transition into because yeah. that's something that even me as a fan who like knows this is coming and like I can, like you can see the writing on the wall that as we grow and it's good for the sport and I know where it's good for the sport and I want that to happen, I'm still going to not like that mm-hmm. because like I want to be able to go to events and be like, oh, Look, there's Kevin. I'm going to go talk to Kevin. Yeah. Or there's Ricky. I'm going to go say hi to Ricky. Whatever, because like you're just hanging out. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're just going to a disc golf tournament, you're hanging out. Yeah. What's going to end up happening is they're going to have a designated warm-up area where fans are allowed to like stay back and take pictures, but that's about it. You know, you can't get a picture of you and them. Then they're going to be escorted from the warm-up area to their tee. They're going to tee off, they're going to play their 18. And then, you know, there's probably going to be some type of like bleacher type setup on 18 or whatever it may be. Right. Where you're all standing there, they'll walk through the crowd, turn their card in, and then you might be able to meet them after that. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now, you know, you're going to see them on practice days. Courses aren't closed for practice days right now. You can see them warming up. You can see them when they're walking from the warm up area to the tee pad. Accessibility is there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like I can go to a tournament and knowing some of the pros right now, I can get to talk to them whenever and I don't feel like I'm bugging them. Whereas soon I'm going to be on this outside of the rope unless you have a right. media pass or something and you're not going to be able to talk to them. Right. And then you're not going to be able to do anything like that. And I think that is going to be something that new players coming into the sport are going to be like, duh, that makes a lot of sense. Like this shouldn't be this way anyways. Players who have been in the sport for a long time is going to be a hard band-aid to rip off. Yeah. I mean, it's no secret that people in disc golf like – feeling like they can be buddies with the pros like, yeah it's one of the cool just, parts of disc golf and it is like, cool it is cool like i mean just a few months ago when i got the film you know the battle for bedford are the beats here we hosted and i'm filming barry schultz like i'm talking to barry schultz like this guy who is a hall of famer it's probably the second you know top three player of all time we'll say yeah like and he's just right there like 
experiences like that are pretty cool. I mean, when I was playing at D- I was playing at USDGC in the Dean's Cup, Ken Climber rode his bike right yeah, past rides us. up to you. And he's like, like just asking us, how's what's it going? going how's on? the tournament going? Yeah, like, I still have a signed Climo Mini because I was yeah. in the middle of my round. I was like, yeah, sign <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> like things like that just won't happen as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, that's just part of how it is. That's yeah, just, that's just change, a growth. change is good. Yeah, and there's there's gonna be stuff like that that's just growing pains. But yeah. that was something that I was thinking of as I was reading through this. Is I'm like, hey, that's a great point. That makes a lot of sense. Is like discs aren't being made at like a huge volume right now yeah. to where that's the collectible item. Whereas once discs are less rare than the signatures, then the signatures become the collectible item. Kind of like what you were saying with the baseball. Like a baseball, you can go buy anywhere, but the signature makes it valuable. Right. You know, I think that's where. But, you know, where disc golf markets kind of falling apart is like, we're not falling apart, but where it's significantly different is like even a stock zone with Paul's signature. It might be worth a little bit more, but we're not talking about it being worth a lot more. Yeah. And I think that's just the accessibility thing. And as that goes down, mm-hmm. value will go up. All right. To wrap out this podcast, we're going to get into our final segment, which I'm pretty excited for because this one... There's a little bit of a doozy because at this point, again, I'm just trying to fool you. Yeah. And I'm not even, this is, this started out as a like good way to like show our audience the rules and it's quickly turned into, <laughs> I want to fool Trevor with, with a rules call. Okay. So this one has a little bit of a story behind it. All right. So there you are. Okay. There I am. Tapping out your final putt and winning the MPO division by one stroke for your first win as a professional. Wow. That'll never happen. Electrifying. Yeah. The person chasing you. And then I woke up. The person chasing you on the chase card comes up to you and asks, hey, on hole two yesterday, uh, what did you take? And you said, I had a two. Turns out you were recorded as having a three on the scorecard from yesterday, making it a scoring error. So he claims you should be stroked the two penalty strokes, which, you know, after improving your score by one for the birdie and then the two penalty strokes, put you into a tie with him, Mm. forcing you into a playoff. Whereas you say that's not the case because the scorecard was submitted yesterday and it was not called before the start of your round today. So you were allowed to start your next round without the scorecard being, without the scoring error being called. Which one of you is correct? Are you headed into a playoff or are you about to raise the trophy high above your head as the MPO champ? Oh gosh. So, okay. So there's like the, the key point. I know if that were to happen at the end, if it would have been during that round, then for sure it's a misplay. And it gets adjusted, but you're allowed to play your next round. I'm waiting. Yeah, you see, the problem is you throw in little sentences like that, and you give me the answer. Did I though? <laughs> you played maybe, your next round. The way the way you phrase it makes it seem like if you start your next round, then that last round is locked in. That's the way you're making that sound. But I'm gonna go ahead and, and think you're being reverse psychology on me, <laughs> and say that no, it's still a misplay. Dang it. <laughs> you thought you could not outsmart me. <laughs> I tried so hard on that one. It's still a misplay. Yeah, so the player approaching you is correct because penalty strokes can be added until the TD claim, until the TD declares that the tournament <laughs> is over or all awards have been passed out. This is according to Rule 808. He's about to like hand the trophy <laughs> to him. No! <laughs> you took a birdie, not a bar. Uh, this is according to Rule 808G.1. Penalty throws may be added or removed up until the director declares the tournament over or all awards have been distributed. <laughs> this reminds me of Michael Scott going, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> he declares the tournament's over. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's not really, I mean, that's hopefully never happens. But <laughs> if you find yourself being challenged, it's gonna happen. get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, get ready. Uh, 
So that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. Um, when you're listening to this, tomorrow is Black Friday. Do not forget, we have the ESP Swirly Impact exclusive run dropping on our site. We have the limited edition White Claw, which is the white version of the Dark Claw hoodie, mm-hmm. dropping on our site. And we have a mystery uh, apparel and disc, a mystery bundle. Basically, you buy it in your size, you'll get a disc and a t-shirt, uh, $25 for that bundle. Um, the disc could be anything from a baseline putter to a misprint to a jawbreaker wasp to even an ESP impact yeah. to first run Hades. There's a lot of goodies in there, um, for sure. And, you know, some of the shirts are also pretty dope as well. Um, so definitely check those out if you're listening and, you know, you have time, all of those deals, the whole website will go live at 5 PM Eastern time. Um, so if you try signing into our website tomorrow before then, you'll see it's been shut down. It would require a password for you to be able to get in, um, but it'll have in bold letters, 5 p.m. Just wait it out at 5 p.m. Once you refresh, the website will be fully published, ready for you to shop. So hopefully you guys are able to take advantage of those deals for listening to it in time, but I believe I covered all the Black Friday deals. Yes. So that is going to be it for this week. Um, we will talk to you guys next week. Let us know in the comments down below what you thought of the ESPN2 broadcast, what you think of the collector's market and the direction it's headed, and also let us know what your score was in Trevor's Trivia. Yeah. See if you beat me. Surely a lot of you did. I don't know. You did pretty well. I, I had a comeback. Brought it back, yeah. It's a comeback story yeah. for the ages. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe not. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week.